From Geek Historical Society, I'm Jordan Turner, and this is The Three E's. On today's show, we have Hannah Farr, who is here to talk with us today about Westwork Theater. My name is Hannah Farr. I'm the Artistic Director, and I'm happy to be here on this podcast. Thank you, Jordan. So, Westwork Theater, we are in Eagle Mountain, Utah, and we produce theater, obviously, but what makes us a little bit different is we have kind of three key elements that we focus on. One of those is innovative storytelling. We take stories and we look at new ways that we can tell them, whether that is a story that's a beloved story that lots of people have told over and over again, like Beauty and the Beast or The Sound of Music or something like that. And we try to put new eyes on it and help you to see it from new perspective. Another one of our focuses is story over spectacle. There are a lot of theater companies that really use a lot of fancy effects or super expensive set pieces or like pyrotechnics or whatever, or sometimes they have real water on their stage to kind of impress their audience members and to get people wrapped up into the show. And I think that has a time and a place, but we're really about focusing on the story and the people on the stage and the heart of the play rather than the spectacle of the story. So when we do a show, we try and find out what is the simplest way we could tell the story without any distractions from the story. And then the third element that we really focus on is non-traditional casting. So we really like to try to focus casting based on talent rather than any sort of physical identifier, whether that's gender or race or whatever type of physical appearance you have or weight. And we're not afraid to, say, cast a leading lady who's taller than her leading man or to cast somebody who doesn't look like a romantic lead, according to Hollywood or or maybe Broadway, but they, they were the best person for the part. That's kind of what we're about, and our mission statement is to connect lives through purposeful storytelling. So we try to be really intentional about the stories we tell, about how we tell those stories, and to help connect people to other perspectives and to create more understanding through those stories. With your non-traditional casting, how has that worked out for you guys? Well, since we're in Utah, I mean, obviously, there's not as much diversity here as there would be in other places yet, right? Sometimes the casting doesn't seem very non-traditional, but other times, you know, it it really is. For instance, we did um, we did a production of Peter Pan a couple summers ago where we did a lot of gender bending there. So John, the the youngest brother, not the youngest brother, the oldest brother, John and Michael were both played by women. There were some other ways we we gender bended there. We really try to. There's a lot. And in Utah, there's a lot of theater that goes on where people won't cast overweight people in lead roles. Either they think that nobody wants to see that or they think that those people can't play romantic leads. But we have done that several times and they have all been fantastic. And we're really trying to change the way people see that and to know that all types of bodies fall in love. All types of bodies have can play romantic leads. It's not just skinny people that need to be in those parts. And we've done that several times in our shows and it's been really well received. Well, that's good to hear that you've had success with this model. Yeah, we're, we've been really excited about, about how we're just trying to sort of change that lens, especially here in Utah. How did you get into this theater business? I always loved theater growing up. Um, And then I 
got my theater degree from Southern Oregon University in Ashland, Oregon. I got a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Acting. And I planned to move to New York. Um, so I was going to live with my grandparents for a little while to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And and they lived in Saratoga Springs. So I moved here. And I was thinking I'd save up some money to move to New York. But instead, I met my husband. And then we built a house. And then we had two kids. And then we built another house. And so now we're here for a while. And I am... Um, I had a friend who told me, never start your own theater company because it's too hard. So I always kind of had that going in the back of my mind. And there were a lot of theaters in Utah, but not they weren't doing the type of stuff that I really wanted to do. And there was, and out here in the area that I am in, in the West Utah County area, there's really not a lot going on theater-wise. There are some really great community theater groups, which I think are really important, and we want those, and those are kind of the legs that professional theater companies stand on, I think, because that's where a lot of people begin their love of theater or where people go when they don't really want to pursue professionally anymore. But I wanted to start something that eventually was a paying gig. And so that's why I started Westworks Theater, formerly Westside Theater Company, but Westworks Theater now out here so that we could have a professional caliber theater, an aspiring professional theater company out in West Utah County, doing the type of purposeful storytelling that I was really passionate about. Yeah, I've been over in Eagle Mountain, Saratoga Springs area, and you are right, There's there are homes, and that's about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, there's not really anywhere for people, well, except Fat Cats now. Fat Cats is out here, but there's not a lot of places for people to take their families to go to an event or maybe go on a date or if you want to do any of that sort of stuff, your options are, you know, walking in the park or going to American Fork or somewhere else outside of the city. And, and I really like it out here in Eagle Mountain. And I think there's a lot of really great potential for this city to become a hotspot for the arts. And that's what, what I want for this city. And that's, that's why I'm really passionate about helping this grow and really establishing this company out here so it can be something that attracts people from outside the city as well and creates more revenue for the city. One thing you could add to the potential quote-unquote family activity is the Costco that's coming. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's very true. My family often, you know, just we go to Costco and we we get food at the food court and my son likes to look at the toys, so it's quite the affair, you know, and I'm definitely happy that they are moving closer. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, so when did you start uh, Westwork Theater? I started it in January of 2017. That's technically the month we incorporated as a business. And then our first show was in April, which was a concert called First Impressions, where we did some performances from musicals of songs about meeting certain people for the first time or first impressions of certain situations. And that was our introduction to the community. And was that in Eagle Mountain area as well? Yeah, it was in Eagle Mountain. It was in a reception center underneath a dentist office called Garden Near the Green. And that's where we did a lot of our shows. And it was really for a while. And it was, it was the best space we had available. It's hard because there were no type of 
you know, theater seating or, or lighting or backstage area. So we had to bring all of that in. We didn't do this for the concert, obviously, because our concerts were, you didn't need a backstage area or a lot of lighting. They were a little bit more simple. But for for instance, we did Pride and Prejudice, the musical, which was a regional premiere out here. And, and the author, Lawrence, actually came from New York to, to visit for a week and to watch rehearsals a little bit, which was fun. But we had to bring in all of our seating risers and hang up curtains and bring in all our lights and all of our equipment. And then we could only run for one weekend because otherwise we'd have to take it all down and then reset it all back up the next weekend. So we have a bit of a challenge out here with no theater space. We're always trying to figure out how we set up and take down what's the most efficient way. It takes a lot more money and man hours than if we were to have an actual building. So that's that's our biggest challenge right now. Since there is no theater space, you're saying that for every performance you have to find a spot? Yes. So every single time we perform, we have to find somewhere to do the show. So we have been performing, like I said, in that reception center and garden near the green. We do a lot of shows outside at this Silver Lake Amphitheater area in Eagle Mountain, which is really just like a gravel pit with a huge grassy hill. So we still have to bring in all of our equipment. We are contemplating renting the schools for our upcoming season. Um, We are doing Hunchback of Notre Dame in concert with the Utah Philharmonic Orchestra, and we're planning on renting Vista Heights Middle School for that. That'll be the first time we've ever done a show inside a school, but it's so expensive to rent the schools, and that's why we've never done it before. So it's a real challenge to not have a space, but that's actually something that we are working towards. We We have our own building in planning right now. We have civil engineering plans being drawn up, and budgets being made, and we're getting ready to launch a fundraising campaign. And the city of Eagle Mountain has a memorandum of understanding with us for a piece of land next to the Silver Lake Amphitheater, which they intend to lease to us for a fair rate to build this facility on. Do you think it would potentially be, your building would be completed for your upcoming season, or do you think it would take a little bit longer than that? I don't think it will be completed for this year, I'm hoping that we start construction on it next year. I don't think it will take very long to build. It's a, it's a very unique building. Um, it's called, I don't know if you've ever heard of these, but it's called a sprung structure. And it's a high-tension fabric building. And it can withstand super high snow loads, high wind loads. And they have apparently they have a lot of these buildings in Antarctica, which is interesting. But we picked it because it's more economical economical than conventional construction. It can be permanent, but it also can be temporary. So we can take it down and move it or pack it up if we need to. It's completely recyclable. It's this, it's this round shape. It's like this dodecagon, almost like a huge circus tent, but looks better than that. <laughs> if you know what I mean? I wish I could show a picture, but... That's kind of hard. Well, yeah, I just uh, Googled it, and I think I can get an idea. I guess, so for our listeners, if you just search sprung structures, it does pop up with a whole bunch of different imagery. And the sprung structures business, they do, it says that they have a West Jordan, Utah location. And one of their photos Mm -hmm. does look 
similar to a tent-like structure. Yeah, they don't like to use the word tent because they um they almost kind of feel like that's blasphemy for them. <laughs> but they they are kind of like super fancy, heavy-duty tents, but they're really they're really nice. If, and actually, if you go to our website, westworks.art, we have some concept art for the building on there. Um, and if, if you go to our website and you click on the tab, Our Future Home, it'll tell you all about the space. And we're calling it the Rosalind. That's a, a name that Shakespeare penned, a Shakespeare a character in a, in a Shakespeare play. And we just thought it fit really well with our space. But we have some more information on our website there about, about the building, about why we chose that type of building, where it's going, and some concept art for it. Yeah. Yeah, I just went onto the webpage and it looks really cool. I'm definitely yeah, we're excited inter- about it. Yeah, I'm definitely interested myself because my wife and I have been, I think she's been to more theater productions than I have, but we've been to the Health Center Theater up in Sandy, but then also yeah. the cost of the theater ticket you know, per person is a little bit Absolutely. difficult for us. Yeah, and that's something that we are actually really passionate about trying to keep down. We know that theater can be really inaccessible for a lot of people regarding the price, and we would really like to be able to keep our prices as low as possible. And obviously, you know, theater is expensive to produce, so we're not going to be able to keep them to like a $5 ticket, you know, but we do, I mean, our, our ticket prices for this coming year are between 15 and $20 a ticket. And, and we would like, as we grow, you know, obviously the ticket prices will increase with inflation appropriately, but we would like to keep them in a really affordable range. And because we don't do a lot of spectacle elements in our productions, and we do try to keep production costs low by keeping them simple, but really effective and purposeful, I think we can do that. I'm confident that that we can do that. And if people can't come to our shows because of the price, I mean, there's no point in doing it anyway. And we really want the, our theater to be relevant to the younger generation. And theater prices like a $60 ticket is just not accessible to a lot of the younger generation. So it's really important to us that we keep those as low as we can, really. And that I think that's very considerate of you. I, you know, as a as an event planner myself, I definitely try to follow that type of philosophy. Where if I'm if I as a customer am not comfortable with the price that as a business owner I'm setting, then my assumption is that my customers would feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I, I can't afford to go see shows at $60 a ticket, you know, and, and if I'm going to, it's going to be like a once a year thing, or it's going to be a show that I feel really, really passionate about seeing, but we want people to be able to come regularly. Like you would go to the movie theater regularly and a $60 ticket, you know, isn't, isn't going to cut that. So We'd really like to try and keep our tickets as low as we can while at the same time being able to operate smoothly and, and pay our staff. Yeah, you got to make money on your end or you can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when does your 2020 season begin? Well, it was supposed to begin this April with a show called Speak Up, which was a dance concert to raise awareness of human trafficking and slavery. But because of COVID-19, we've had to postpone that indefinitely. 
We're going to try to reboot it maybe in the fall, but it will depend on availability of all the production staff and the crew and who can participate. We have two shows coming up in the summer that we're hoping we're still going to be able to do, but because this COVID-19 thing has so many unknowns, everything is still really up in the air. But the two shows that we are opening in the summer, our first opens on July 30th, and that's A Wrinkle in Time, based off of the book by Madeline Langle. And then we are doing an original adaptation, which actually was adapted by one of our board members, Melanie Perry. And it's an adaptation of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. And it's we're calling it Much Ado About Absolutely Nothing. And it just kind of, it takes the story, modernizes it a little bit. It includes a narrator who kind of sums up pieces of the story and just really leans into the ridiculousness of this story. It makes fun a lot of, of a lot of the characters. Um, and, and the premise of the show is that we do the show once, you know, in about a, like a 30 to 40 minute chunk. And then we do it again in a shorter chunk and then again in a really short chunk. So like it's like 30 minutes, 10 minutes and then like two minutes. We're really excited about that. It's, it's going to be hilarious. And we love that it's an original adaptation. And then in the fall, like I mentioned earlier, we're doing the Hunchback of Notre Dame in concert with the Utah Philharmonic Orchestra. And that's something that we are really excited about. It's a big collaboration project. And we think we're going to be able to accomplish something really, really awesome with all the groups involved. But that is our total season. We're hoping we're able to do all those shows. But because of this pandemic going on, it's really hard to tell what is actually going to play out. So we're crossing our fingers. I totally understand. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm also an event planner. And one aspect of the Geek Historical Society is that we want to be able to host events. But just like you, you know, like you've been saying with COVID-19, it's just like, since lots of cities and states are, you know, on quarantine, they don't want their social distancing type of thing. It's, it's very yeah. hard to be able to plan something with an actual date because like you said there's so many unknowns we just don't know yeah. if, it, if it'll be gone in a week or months or six months type of thing yeah yeah the, it's just evolving every day and and we don't know how long we're going to need to kind of hunker down before it's safe to to gather again and then when it is safe to gather again are people going to be hesitant to come out or or are they going to limit the amount of people that can gather even when it's safe again so we just don't know. But in the meantime, we're we're trying to be innovative about ways that we stay connected and relevant to the community. And I think there's a lot of really cool innovation that's coming out of this, actually. And, and the world will really never be the same once we're through this, um, just because of ways that people are innovating and lifestyles that are changing and employer employers and businesses that are making different decisions about the way they do things. And I think there will be a lot of really... Obviously, there are a lot of really horrible things that have come out of this virus. I don't, I don't consider this virus a good thing or a, a blessing in any way. But I think because humans are so adaptable and and their desire to to live and 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 survive is so strong that we find really cool ways of moving forward. And so I think a lot of great things for the arts, especially, are going to come out of of this. Really, so. What, in what ways has your theater been able to innovate? Because I know theater is definitely an in-person experience, 
But what have you been yeah. able to do? Well, we we haven't launched really any of this yet, but we, we have a couple ideas. And one of those ideas is going to be a type of online Shakespeare monologue competition where we ask for submissions for for a Shakespeare monologue and we let anyone from all over the world apply to this competition. And then we have a little bit of prize money for, for people. And I would love to be able to get some celebrities to be the judges. I don't know how I do that, but I, I was like, man, if we could get like Patrick Stewart or somebody, they've got to be sitting at home bored at the same time, right? Maybe they would do it. Maybe they would watch these Shakespeare monologues and be like, sure, I'll pick my favorite. But I mean, I don't know how to get in contact with any of those people, but I know people have done it in the past. So one of the things we're talking about is an online Shakespeare competition in that way, kind of because there's a lot of Shakespeare competitions that have gotten canceled, um, especially for high school students who go, they, they, they prepare these monologues and these scenes and they go and compete and they get judged, but they can't do that anymore because of COVID-19. So we're, we were kind of thinking of launching an online one. And then um, one idea that I had was doing something where we asked people to record a, a piece of Shakespeare, um, or whether we pick something that's Shakespeare or we pick a different type of monologue, but we ask everyone to record the same piece of literature and then we edit it together in a really cool way. Um, So, you know, if we have like 40 people submit this recording of them doing this piece of literature, we can take all of their submissions and put them together in something that's, that's really cool. And then we have our own piece of theater right there that we didn't even have to gather people in group to to see. So so things like that are things that we are, are talking about as a board launching in the next little while to kind of allow us to still create theater and still stay connected to people and still grow interest in our organization while we're waiting this thing out and, and, and learning more about how this is going to affect us in the future. Yeah, those sound like pretty cool ideas. Thank you. We're excited about them. I know you had mentioned that you you're trying to keep your costs as low as possible, but do you all do you provide a season pass as well? Yeah. So if we are able to do the both of the summer shows, we would have a season pass for the two shows in the summertime. That it would be cheaper if you bought the season pass and if you bought the tickets individually. The fall show is a little bit of a toss up because of the school district. We're not allowed to nail down dates until later. So it's hard for us to include our far of our fall show in that season ticket, just because we can't solidify dates until around June, but we will have a season pass for our summer shows. And in the future, when we have our own building and we're able to schedule at our will and not wait on other people and other venues for scheduling, we, we will have a season ticket for sure. I think my wife and I would be interested the hunchback if that does happen. Awesome. Especially with the, the um, orchestra. Cause I, I love orchestras, you know, I love symphonies, those type of music. So having one at the, at the, you know, theater production, I think adds an extra level of value. Oh, absolutely. And that's something that we are really, really passionate about is live music 
a lot of theater companies in Utah use canned music now simply because it's more affordable and there's not a lot of theaters don't have space to have musicians in them. But we are really passionate about not using canned music. And if I have my way, we will not use canned music for any of our productions unless it's more like a sound effect than than a song or but for any of our productions like musicals or plays with music in them, I we're really, really gonna strive hard to make sure that that music is live because the magic of live music is something that just cannot be replaced and and it's so valuable to me as a not only as a creator of theater but also as a patron. I really value the aspect of having live music at a show and it makes it so much more magical to me. So we're really passionate about keeping that in our productions, which is going to be difficult and it will cost more money, but it's something that's really important to us and we're going to try to do that. One last question to wrap things up. For anyone who has not attended a theater production before, what is a piece of advice you would give them? Hmm, that has not attended a theater production before. I would say go with an open mind. And if you're picking somewhere to go to a theater production for your your first theater production, if you've never attended, I would do some research about where to go first. I often I often hear people who are who say, you know, they like hate Shakespeare because they've only been to productions that are super boring, but that's because they've been to companies that aren't good, you know. <laughs> so um I would say do do some research, but go with an open mind and don't don't feel like the theater is too good for you, if that makes any sense. Um, I feel like some people don't go to the theater because they feel like they can't dress nice enough or it's too fancy for them or whatever. And and I think that's dumb and I don't like that culture of theater. I don't, I don't want anyone to come to our shows and feel like they aren't a part of us or that they are too, or that they're dressed too poorly or that they're not fancy enough or important enough or whatever to attend. And so I would say just allow yourself to go to whatever productions you're interested in, regardless of how you may feel about how prestigious it is and go with an open mind and do some research about the companies before you attend. One, one more question. So you mentioned, you know, a dress in your advice. Does your theater by chance have a dress code? No, we do not have a dress code. Um, People are welcome to wear whatever they want to our shows. I mean, if you're naked, there could be some legal issues there. So I would advise you to wear clothes. <laughs> but we we just want people to feel welcome. A lot of theater companies, you go and it kind of feels like you're separate from the actors. It feels like these um, fortunate audience members who are there to view these these actors in this play. And and instead of that, we want we want people to watch our play and see themselves in what we are doing that we want them to feel a part of us we want people to come in there if they work construction and they just got off of work come in your work clothes and and watch a show you know if you don't have any time to change or whatever we we want to make sure that 
it feels accessible to all types of people. So we do not have a dress code, except wear clothes. That's probably our only caveat. Yeah. Clothes <laughs> required doesn't matter what kind. Yeah. 